Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Father John Tregilio and his talk, Confirmation, recorded at the Gift of Faith Conference in June 2010. And now, Father John Tregilio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My Lord and my God, I know that you are here. You see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to spend this time of prayer fruitfully. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I was hoping that Tim would do most of the work for me today. <laughs> and he not only laid down the groundwork, but he actually got the, most of the highway built for me, so this will be, be a bit of a breeze. I have to tell you, on one occasion I was uh, at a confirmation, and the bishop was asking the typical questions to the boys and girls. They were eighth graders. And of course, all the pastors are squirming up there in the sanctuary, because this was a number of parishes, they consolidate the confirmations now when you have smaller parishes. So I, my two places, and a couple other parishes, and one big parish. So one pastor had like 100 kids. I had four, two from each. But of course, when the bishop's asking the questions, you know, and the bishop knows which ones your kids belong where, because they have special little tags, so that the kids don't ask, answer correctly, the bishop knows who the blame, all right? So the parents are squirming in the seats. The priests are squirming in the seats. Kids are like squirming in the seats. And the bishop's asking a number of questions. Nobody's raising their hands. You know, he's asking how many commandments are there. Um, you know, what are the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit? And he's getting more and more frustrated. And he said, well, you know, there's things we do to mark us off as, you know, people of faith, um, you know, and he was really stretching to get uh, some kind of answers out of these kids. And he finally got one kid to say, well, you know, prayer is important. And he said, oh, thank God, we, we, got, we got something here. And, of course, the kid's pastor is starting to smile now because he's got a kid who's answering, all right? The rest of us are, like, trying to give sign languages to our kids. <laughs> ten, 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 ten commandments. Ten, Okay. And so the bishop's now following with this one kid out of the prayer. He's okay, prayer, that's good. He says, no, what's important about prayer? And the kid goes, we should pray a couple times a day. Oh, that's great, that's great. The bishop says, and what else, what else? He says, and, and, and you should face Mecca as you pray. <laughs> bishop said, Mecca? He said, Mecca? And so he thought maybe the kid was being a little you know, smart aleck, and so he asked him a few more questions. Then he said, what else besides prayer? And the kid goes, oh, and, and, and fasting, too. And the bishop oh, that's great, prayer and fasting, okay. And uh, what time of year are we typically fasting? And the kid goes, Ramadan. <laughs> so, <laughs> needless to say, this was the first only time I've been to a confirmation where there was no confirmation, 
the bishop said, I think we better come back next month. And I think all the parents and all the teachers and the pastors here need to speak to these young boys and girls and teach them something. And I'll be back next month. And that was the end of the confirmation service right there. And here there was this big, huge party waiting for them over in the social hall, pictures and cookies. And the bishop said, that's fine, we'll save them, put them in, put them in the freezer or something. That's the only time I've been somewhere where it didn't happen. Okay. Now, of course, the priests were stupefied, and then we all got something in the mail after that. This will not happen again. But it did send shockwaves throughout the diocese because they said, whoa. Now, I'm not saying what, if there were any repercussions, but uh, three of the five priests were transferred, and um, not immediately after that, but soon afterwards. Now, if that happened more often, I think people would really take confirmation a lot more seriously. We say that uh, confession or penance is the sort of ignored sacrament, confirmation is the misunderstood one. Because over the, over the past um, 50 years or so, people aren't sure when should people be confirmed. You go to every diocese and it's different. You know, it's almost like with the holy days now, um, where I'm at in Pennsylvania, we still have uh, Ascension Thursday on Ascension Thursday, which is very nice. Unfortunately, when you go watch it on TV, I'm, I'm watching EWTN, it's not on Thursday on EWTN because they live in a province where it's been moved to the next, uh, the, the next Sunday. And I didn't know that until one day I was actually down there and I'm, getting, I'm preparing my Ascension Thursday sermon and Father Joseph says, Father, we're not having it till Sunday. I said, I'm not here Sunday, I'm here Thursday. I said, well, how about if we just tape it and then you can replay it then on Ascension Thursday. No, this is live TV. You've got to do the, the regular day. Well, because of that confusion with holy days, and you can imagine with confirmation, should, you know, is it eighth grade, high school? Um, my mother got it when she was in sixth grade. It all depended whenever the bishop showed up in those days because he couldn't visit the whole diocese. So you would have maybe third, fourth, and fifth grade, or you clumped them together. In the Byzantine church, they confirm you at baptism. And that's been their tradition uh, all along. Uh, the priest uh, con confirms, or what they call chrismates, the baby after he or she is baptized. But in the Western Latin church, we've had this tradition of making it a little bit later, but exactly when, it's never been uniform. And every couple of years, Rome keeps sending a notice to the bishop's conference, we would like some uniformity because the people want it, and the Holy Father would like it, and the bishop, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, they would get into their meeting, and then it's like, rah, 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 rah. That's bishop talk, okay? And, um, <laughs> I've been to a couple of meetings, I heard them talk, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and you guys say, well, wait a minute, we've been doing it this way for this many years, and it's been going on since the, the, uh, the close of the Second Vatican Council, so it's been going on long enough that they can say it's now a custom, a tradition. If you go long enough uh, doing something, uh, it sort of gets canonized by, by use. So there's still this phenomenon, we don't even know when to do it. But worse than that, people don't even know what it is. What is confirmation? Okay, now the very word itself tells us 
To be confirmed is being confirmed in something. And what is being confirmed in confirmation is your faith that was given to you at baptism. Now, you would think that would be a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised how even when we're teaching the young people, let alone when we're getting them ready for the questions the bishop's going to ask them, when you're actually in the classroom asking them, what is confirmation or why do you need to be confirmed? Well, my mother said i got to be confirmed, okay? <laughs> for some of the kids, it's like a carrot on the stick, okay? You behave yourself, you get confirmed, and then we'll let you get your junior's driver's license, Okay? Or um, they use it as a, a means of making sure they go to CCD, and then all of a sudden confirmation is a get-out-of-CCD class uh, for free card, all right? I was at another confirmation where the bishop nullified that. He said, before we go any further, I just want you to know, boys and girls, if your parents told you as of tonight you no longer have to go to religious education, they are wrong. And if they made that agreement with you, I'm dissolving it tonight. And you saw a few kids go, Darn! No way, man, no way. <laughs> now, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, we're told, uh, this is in um, number uh, 1286, in the Old Testament, the prophets announced the Spirit of the Lord would rest on the hope for Messiah in a saving mission. The descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus at his baptism by John was a sign that this was he who was to come, the Messiah, the Son of God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. His whole life, his whole mission are carried out in total communion with the Holy Spirit, whom the Father gives him without measure. The fullness of the Spirit was not to remain uniquely on the Messiah, but was to be communicated to the whole Messianic people. On several occasions, Christ promised this outpouring of the Spirit, a promise which he fulfilled first on Easter Sunday, and then more strikingly at Pentecost. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles began to proclaim the mighty works of God. Peter declared this outpouring of the Spirit to be the sign of the Messianic works of God. <clears throat> Those who believed in the apostolic preaching were baptized and received in the gift of the Holy Spirit. From that time on, the apostles, in the fulfillment of Christ's will, imparted to the newly baptized, by the laying on of hands, the gift of the Spirit that completes the gift of of the grace of baptism. For this reason, in the letter to the Hebrews, the doctrine concerning the baptism and the laying on of hands is listed among the first elements of Christian instruction. The imposition of hands is rightly recognized by the Catholic tradition as the origin of the sacrament of confirmation, which in a certain way perpetuates the grace of Pentecost in the church. Very early, the better to signify the gift of the Holy Spirit, an anointing with perfume oil, chrism, was added by, to the laying on of hands. The anointing highlights the name Christian, which means anointed. It derives from that of Christ himself, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit. This rite of anointing has continued ever since, both in East and West. For this reason, the Eastern Church calls this sacrament chrismation anointing with chrism, or miron, which means chrism. In the West, confirmation suggests the sacrament both confirms baptism and strengthens baptismal grace. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. Let us offer this prayer for vocations. 
Lord Jesus Christ, shepherd of souls, who called the apostles to be fishers of men, raise up new apostles in your holy church. Teach them that to serve you is to reign, to possess you is to possess all things. Kindle in the hearts of our young people the fire of zeal for souls. Make them eager to spread your kingdom upon earth. Grant them courage to follow you, who are the way, the truth, and the life, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Looking for a way to help evangelize your teen or young adult? Let Living Bread Radio help. We have a wonderful selection of podcasts available with them in mind. All you have to do is tell them to log on to livingbreadradio.com slash podcasts. They'll find all of our podcast shows right there. They can even subscribe via iTunes, and the shows are updated each week. Sound confusing? Just send them to livingbreadradio.com slash podcasts, and they'll do the rest. Hey, they might even show you how to do it. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio presents. Confirmation is a continuation of what was begun at baptism. It's obviously one of the three sacraments of initiation. Confirmation builds on what was given at baptism. So the sanctifying grace by which you and I are made a child of God is now intensified with the the gift through the Holy Spirit in confirmation. And a mark is made on the soul. That's why you can only be confirmed once. You can only be baptized once, right? You can go to confession a number of times. The the sacrament of penance, as as you'll learn later on, removes those actual sins we've committed after baptism. But in confirmation, you get an increase of sanctifying grace, which is called sanctifying because it makes you holy, and it configures you to Christ. And in this beautiful sacrament, you and I are, as we were told many, many, many years ago, you're made a soldier of Christ. Now, that's not a bad phrase. Problem was, some people took it out of context, and that always happens, both within the church and outside the church. Outside the church, people said, aha, see those Catholics? They're just like those fanatical, uh, radical Muslims there, all right? They're on a jihad, okay? That's not what was meant by soldier of Christ, that it was Catholics against the rest of the world, that we saw non-Catholics as our enemy, and that we were on some kind of crusade to knock off as many as we could. But that's what some people had interpreted the phrase. We say, soldier of Christ, okay? Well, then who's who's your enemy, okay? The enemy is the devil, Satan. It's not our fellow human beings. They're on our side, even if they don't know it, okay? Because Jesus Christ died for everyone. And as we know by our Catholic doctrine, it is by Christ and by the church everyone is saved, whether they know it or not. So they're on the right side. They may not know they're in in our army, though, okay? But the point is, our enemy is the devil. And he wants to confuse us. So one way he does that is confusing who our enemy is. All right, so we we can't see those who are not completely in full communion as being our enemy. They're our allies. And we want to eventually bring them all into full communion. That is the ultimate goal. That's the whole purpose of evangelization and catechesis is to bring everyone into full communion. But in the meantime, we work together. But against the common enemy, 
the enemy of the human race, the devil, who hates truth. And so he hates the truth by dispelling, by perpetuating all kinds of lies. Now, within the church, we had sort of this movement going on. It was shortly after or during the time of the Vietnam War where a lot of people thought, this sounds too militaristic and we want you know promote more an idea of peace. So they, they dropped the, the, the nomenclature, soldier of Christ, because they didn't want it to make it sound too militaristic. And they even would drop the phrase, okay, the, the church militant. But that was not a good idea because we are a church militant. We are at war, but not with our fellow human beings. We are at war with the devil, with sin. And it is a war. The devil takes no prisoners. All right? He wants us eradicated. He wants to keep you out of heaven. Not because he wants to have a lot of people in hell because he's lonely. All right? Because he wants to spite God. The more people he can keep out of heaven, the happier he is. Because it's his way of thumbing his nose at the Almighty. Now, if he is our enemy, we have to use every tool given to us by God to fight him. That's why confirmation gives us the tools, those fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, the wisdom, the understanding, the piety, fear of the Lord. When I was a little kid, you know, that's how it was taught to us, fear of the Lord. Then, a few years later, the new religion books came in with the butterflies and sunbeams and the... Burlap, and that was wonder and awe. Wonder and awe. That's when you go to the beach, you look at the sun. That's nice. That's wonder and awe. Okay? Sometimes you look at your paycheck and you wonder and awe. <laughs> Jeez, I thought it'd be a lot more. But fear of the Lord. You know, that's biblical, all right? Fear of the Lord. It doesn't say terror of the Lord. God's not a terrorist. Thank, thanks goodness, okay? God doesn't terrorize us but he wants respect. Now, me and my brothers, we had a respectful fear of our dad. We loved him. We, we, we uh, cared for him. We knew that he cared for us immensely. Very affectionate, being, being Italian kids. We also feared angering him, okay? And the thing that really, 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 when I became um, an adult, was when my father didn't punish me, but when he just told me he was disappointed in me. Oh, that was worse than any whooping I ever got, okay? Just seeing the look on his face that I'm disappointed in you, son. It's like, please, just for old time's sake, hit, hit me with the wooden spoon. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. Much as it would bring me a lot of pleasure, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm just disappointed in you. Well, I never want to do that again, okay? Never want to do that again because I had such respect for him. And so that reverential fear of the Lord is something that we don't talk about anymore. But confirmation has become sort of this rite of passage where, you know, now the kids are like sort of graduating from religious education. You know, one of the things I always found peculiar when I was uh, in, in a parish with a with a school, is everybody's graduating from everything. Kindergarten graduation. Who graduates from kindergarten? <laughs> you know, I went to Catholic school. This is what sister said. This is how you graduated from kindergarten in Catholic school when I was a kid. 
Boys and girls, you're first graders, now act like it. That's it. That was your graduation. You didn't get no diploma. You didn't win no cap and gown. You didn't have mom and dad with their DVD players. And, oh, wait, that's my little baby. <laughs> They're picking their nose over there for crying out loud. They don't know what's going on. And then it carries over, of course, you know, after that, they graduate from kindergarten, they graduate from, uh, uh, from first grade, their first communion now becomes sort of a, a graduation, and then, of course, confirmation now is sort of like another passage, so the, v, the VCRs come out, the parties, the whatnot. But what's overlooked is this is designed for the person to be a pivotal time in their life particularly in our Western tradition. We're not talking about what they do in the Eastern Church because they have a different theology. But in the Western Church, which if you go to the Latin Catholic Masses or English, we have confirmation a little bit later after baptism so that the boy or girl, the young man or woman, can now on their own say, I reject Satan and all his works, and all his empty promises. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. They take ownership of it. But they're confirming something that was given to them, the gift of faith that mom and dad gave to them at baptism. That's why I tell the, the godparents, you're part of this. What are you giving to this kid today? If you're not a, a practicing Catholic, you have no business being a sponsor. You know, because you're giving an empty gift. It's a nice, it might, might be a, a well-wrapped gift, but it's empty. It's a box with nothing inside. And no matter how nice a wrapping it is, it's still empty. That's why we tell parents, that's why canon law makes a requirement that the sponsors be practicing Catholics. It even recommends, if possible, that the sponsor who was at baptism possibly be the sponsor at confirmation. Of course, these days, you know, that might not always be the best case because maybe people were not as selective as they should have been for who was picked as a godparent. And maybe by the time this kid gets confirmed, they're not a practicing Catholic anymore. Maybe they started out, unfortunately. But it also, I think, gives the, the, the young man or woman the opportunity to choose someone. And we tell them, choose wisely, just like the name that they choose for confirmation. This isn't who's going to be the most esoteric, okay? The bishop always has to make a smirk when you see some of these names these kids dig up, all right? Now, whoever, when was the last time you heard someone have an Uncle Zosimus, all right? It's a name, it's a saint, okay? But a lot of times with, with like, with particularly the eighth graders, they want to get the most unique name so they can stand out, okay? We had a pastor in my diocese, though, um, for some reason, every time the bishop came to his parish, all the boys were taking Daniel. And if there were like 80 kids getting confirmed and 40 of them were boys, they're all picking Daniel. And the bishop said, that's fascinating how they all would pick Daniel. And the pastor said, well, that's my name, Daniel. And the bishop said, that's really fascinating, Dan, how that happened. Well, then later on we found out, if you happen to take that name, Daniel, father was very happy and gave you a little card and there was a little labusta in there, um, you got a little sign of his, of his appreciation, all right? Not that that was the, the primary uh, reason for these boys, mind you. But we, like, we sort of solved the mystery there.
But I remember the bishop telling us as priests, when you're preparing your, your uh, children for confirmation, have them take seriously the name that they choose and the sponsor that they're asking. Now, since the 1983 Code of Canon Law, parents are not allowed to be sponsors, and that's not because you're not a, you wouldn't make a good one. It's because this is a separate relationship. You already have a relationship with your son or daughter as their parent. So the godparent in baptism, the sponsor confirmation, is going to have a spiritual bond, and your bond as parent already supersedes that. So it would be redundant for you to be your child's godparent or sponsor, and by the code of canon law, you're not allowed to be, okay? It gives someone else the opportunity to be a help to you, not to be someone who now has legal jurisdiction over your child if you die, okay? Because I remember some people saying, well, I don't like my, my sister being the, the guardian. So it has nothing to do with being guardian, okay? That's something that was way in the past, uh, in, time, in the Middle Ages, when people were dropping dead from the, from the Black Plague, okay? Uh, you, you always pick someone who you knew you could entrust the, the kids to, because most people didn't live past their 40s. The role of the sponsor today is to be a witness. So they're going to give witness by being hopefully a good role model. That's why they need to be a practicing Catholic. They need to go to Mass. They need to be married validly within the eyes of the church. They need to be a good moral person, someone that you want your son or daughter to emulate or if they're choosing their sponsor or confirmation, someone that they wish to emulate. It's also a good opportunity for some people to clean up their act. You know, I had an uncle who I was very fond of, but I knew he wasn't going to church as often as he should. So I said, Uncle Frank, you know, I'm thinking of, of telling the sister that I want you to be my sponsor for confirmation. And his eyes bugged out. He said, wow, he said, I've never been asked that before. I said, I know, but before I can ask you officially, uh, Sister says you're going to have to have a note from the pastor that you go to church. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.